Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. Hello, hello. Welcome along to another episode of Talking CFD, the podcast that's more about growing a business than growing a boundary layer. As usual, I'm talking with a founder today, one of a founding team, in fact, but today's guest is also the CTO of the company, the Chief Technical Officer, for those not familiar with the C-suite. I'm hoping we're going to dig into what being a CTO actually means, particularly for being a CTO of a CFD company, and maybe also what makes today's CFD businesses a technical challenge. The CTO in question is Mark Seymour of Future Facilities. Welcome to the show, Mark. Well, hi, Robin. Thank you very much for the invitation to be on this. I think it's really important what you're doing, uh, trying to help people understand how CFD can be valuable to a business and not just a technical tool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I think it could be uh, consigned to the uh, R&D department. Um, I didn't describe what you guys do at Future Facilities, but I'm going to quote a little bit from your website. It says, if you've ever used a search engine, owned a smartphone or stored your photos in the cloud, chances are our software and services have been part of making it possible. Now, now that's pretty much everyone. So how do you guys do that? Well, uh, services in the cloud are really based on large computer rooms with lots of computers in, generally known as data centers. And data centers are required to be up and running pretty much every minute of the day, every day of the year. And to do that, they have to be reliable. And one of the biggest causes of failure of computer systems is from thermal overheating. So what we do is try and provide tools which allow people to design data centers so that the uh, cooling systems keep the computers happy and also then allow people to operate the data center and thus the business uh, and make sure that they don't do things in the data center which will undermine the conceptual design. So simulation is the only way to really predict what might happen in the future, be it a design or future planning. And simulation using CFD is the best way to deal with airflow, the airflow and heat transfer that, that controls that cooling. Now, sort of these data centers and cloud and the amount of data that we're producing and consuming at the moment is, has skyrocketed, I would have said, in the last few years. But you guys have been at it a little bit longer than that, haven't you? You've been in um, 2004, is that right? Yes, that's, that's right. We uh, formed at the end of 2003 and started proper operation in 2004 and the concept was that basically the uh, electronics problem the heat that that causes your phone or your tv or whatever to fail um, that heat problem was breaking out into the bigger box which is the data center holding the electronics so it's almost like a super electronics box the uh, the difference with the data center was that uh, it's not configured once off when the piece of equipment's produced, but it's conceptually configured when the piece of equipment's designed and first built, and then it changes over its whole lifetime. So CFD and simulation of the environment becomes important to allow you to keep it running at its best. The cloud has brought another dimension because the data centers have just got bigger. Typically in enterprise data centers, we've been dealing with facilities that are one megawatt, two megawatts. Uh, and maybe um, 10,000, 20,000 square feet or 2,000 square meters. But in the cloud, data centers get much bigger and, and can be many megawatts of power and even bigger in physical space, 50,000, 100,000 square feet or 5,000 to 
10,000 square meters is is not unusual. Whoa. So uh, the the sort of conceptual idea of a data center, some computers uh, remote from me doing things that uh, I don't otherwise need to do is uh, is still the same, but these things have just exploded in size and number, I guess. Yeah, the, I mean, the scale is just going out, out, out of the roof because of what you say, all the things we do with, 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 with IT, not really realizing we're doing it. We probably don't want to use the word explode, um, so I'll, I'll <laughs> try try not to do that again. Um, have you always concentrated on uh, on data centers? Was that the was that the original offering? Was it has that changed as the data centers have changed? Well, the, the offering has changed marginally, but the original concept of future facilities was to provide this uh, technology to data centers for the whole life cycle of the data center, and that was the unique thing. So yes, that is our, our primary goal as future facilities. Did I spot that um, the sort of founding team came out of Flowmerics? Did you all come out together? Yes. Yeah, so we, we uh, came up with this idea as three of us that were at uh, Flowmerics. Uh, and uh, we were in various roles. One of my colleagues was the head of business development, Hassan Moezi. Another colleague, uh, Jonathan Leppard, was uh, in an engineer doing a lot of technical marketing. And I was the product manager for one of uh, Flowmerics tools then called Flowvent uh, and have been responsible for it pretty much from its conceptual design. Uh, and what really happened was that we saw, as I say, we saw the uh, the problem of overheating break out into the room uh, and we wanted to uh, be able to deal with that. But at that time, it wasn't uh, it wasn't seen as appropriate for Plumerex to do it themselves. So we set up our own business to deal with this issue that we could see was becoming a, a challenge and there were no tools specifically to address. So you saw a gap and you went for it. Um, I guess the company doesn't look like three guys anymore. No, we're about 50 people now uh, spread around the world uh, f- from the west coast of the US through the UK to Japan with a number of resellers too. So Future Facilities, uh, the name makes absolute sense, but you guys have got some some interesting product names. Um, Six Sigma DCX, is that your, that's your data center cooling um, product, is it? Yes, it, 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 it is. Um, Future Facilities is actually the company that we do all our consultancy and sell all our software through. Uh, originally, we created the company to develop the software so that the two things were independent when we were a startup, um, just for a bit of self-protection. And we we had the perfect data center in, in mind. So the company is called Six Sigma uh. DC, Six Sigma Data Center. So it's just a sort of conceptual thing. Maybe not the best name, but uh, people seem to have hooked onto it. And we often get referred to as Six Sigma, uh, which, of course, is way too generic. <laughs> <laughs> Are these things names stick, don't they? Can you tell me a bit more about what that is then, what that product? I mean, you've sort of said kind of what the global problem that you're trying to solve is but what what is what's six sigma dcx right so six sigma dcx is a suite of uh, cfd based tools designed for different people in the data center so there's there's what you would traditionally think of as a, a cfd point solution so the design tool called six sigma room uh, which which is there to look at the conceptual design iterate on it to try and get a, gr- a gr- great design and then build your your data center like that. And then we have uh, a few tools for operation, but I'll, I'll mention the principal one. It's called Six Sigma FM, so where the FM comes for facility 
manager. Uh-huh. And this, this is designed to allow the facility manager to look at operational changes in the, in the data center. And there are actually other tools which are designed to help the IT manager interact so that the business, different aspects of the business can talk to each other and make sure that the things they're trying to change uh, don't undermine the performance of the data center as a whole. So, you know, I mean, you mentioned an, an IT manager um, there and uh, um, facilities management and things like that. These don't sound like people who are doing day-to-day CFD. No. So, so uh, in a way, Flomerix, uh, well, one of the companies that started this, they started uh, looking at vertical markets and trying to create CFD for uh, particular markets. Uh, and and probably most people, many people are aware that they looked at electronics and building ventilation. We took it. Uh, one stage further and said the vertical market is is data centers. So not just any old building or any piece of electronics, but something very specific, electronics in a room where we're concerned about uh, heating. We do other things around that model once we have the model because we can use it to check where assets are, you know, how power's connected, whether there's a risk in the power system. But the focus is really making sure that we deliver a robust data center and the and the end user can make sure they don't do things to undermine it and when i say we deliver our models represent the design that's going to deliver it we're not the we don't provide data centers or design the data centers we provide the analysis to enable designers to do that and for the operator to make sure they make the best use of it you also mentioned point solutions what can you can you expand on what you mean by it being kind of not a point solution when, when CFD is typically used, it's used to uh, look at a design and optimize it, refine it. And once you've designed it, you throw it away. So an electronics box, be it a serv- the server, may be designed in a CFD tool. And once it's designed, it's considered to be thermally okay. And because it only has a number of different configurations, that's it for, the, for its whole life. A data center is is different. So the point solution is for the person doing the design. But once you have a model, you can also take that and keep looking at the way the data center is performing. So then we're not really in a point solution because we're taking that original design and understanding that we're going to be changing, changing the data center away from the idealized conceptual design to a real design where different pieces of equipment are being put in which maybe don't match the ventilation strategy or the cooling strategy or we get different power densities than was originally anticipated in different parts of the data center with albeit the same total power dissipation it may not be distributed how was how it was originally anticipated to be uh, the airflow patterns may be different because the piece of hardware is different so we need to be able to look at this over time and plan changes to make sure that those differences don't upset the design concepts and, and cause the data center cooling to fail to deliver uh, conditions that mean the equipment can be reliable. So it, it sounds like you probably don't spend a lot of your time talking about CFD to people. It sounds like you're um, talking about physical things and physical changes and the, the sort of CFD is kind of hiding in the background almost. Is that is that right? That's absolutely right. So if we're providing services to someone we'll be talking about how they're going to change the data center and then we would translate that into a model or if they're trying to use the model they will not be cfd experts they will just want to know how they can use the tool to create the cfd model so meshing is automatic 
objects are business defined so they're yeah. they're they're conceptual ob- objects racks um servers cooling u- units perforated floor tiles all the things that go to make up a a, a data center and they can just drag and drop in uh, either conceptual models if they're any conceptual design stage from a library or they can drag in uh, library models of real equipment, which is already characterized to de- define the boundary conditions that CFD people would normally talk about. So when you drag in a server, it's providing boundary conditions for airflow, for temperature. It may have controls in it that reflect uh, changes in the airflow due to changes in pressure or temperature, etc. So th- these things are, the objects are intelligent and reflect the data center objects and have a behavior associated with them, which is a combination of of boundary conditions that a traditional CFD person would be dealing with. Do you think there's a tendency sometimes for CFD software providers to talk CFD too much to their audience as opposed to um, talking their audience's language? Well, I think our our business absolutely uh, demonstrates it. So when we talk to designers of data centers, they tend to be mechanical engineers doing an engineering job. So we can talk more CFD to them, but still they don't really want to get involved in the details of convergence or how the boundary conditions work. They just want to be able to represent those things, and they but they have an awareness of CFD, and so they can make sure that they stay within the bounds. When you move it out to the business, how you're going to optimize the business and make sure that the data center is delivering the productivity from its IT, that's what we're really doing in the operational space, uh, making sure that they don't lose capacity that they've paid for by investing in, in the data center, or have resilience uh, problems by equipment falling over because it gets too hot. Um, we're trying to. We're now talking to people at a higher level in the business, and even the engineers operating it are not really uh, focusing on engineering issues, but on practical operational issues. So they don't. Th- those people don't want to talk CFD. They just want to understand how this tool works and, and fits into their dashboard and tell them how their data center is working. And the C-level people in the business want to know what it's actually going to deliver for the business. So why they should be worrying about making sure that the cooling's effective uh, compared with making sure they're using as little energy as possible and keeping their utility bills down. So it's it's a completely different conversation. And if you just go and talk CFD, you'd never get CFD used in those businesses at all. So, I mean, you could be forgiven for thinking that this appification of CFD, I really don't like that term, but appification of CFD is, is a new thing. I mean, you guys are showing that it's not. It's been around for a decade, if not more. Um, but there comes with it perhaps from certain existing CFD professionals that uh, not everybody should be doing CFD. Um, it's, it's not the SCOD at all that, uh, that just anybody can use. How, how do you guys address that kind of issue? Well, I, I think um, the first thing I would say to anybody using any sort of simulation tool, be it CFD or anything else, is that you should have some idea of the result you're expecting before uh, you run the model. And then when it's different... To the result you expected, your result, you should then question whether it's because you've done something wrong in the input or there's something happening that you didn't expect and understand what's happening that you didn't expect. That's critical because however good the CFD tool is, 
it can't it can't uh, compensate for user error. So the user has to recognize that they've got to take responsibility for making sure that what they've done is reasonable. So then how do you deal with the fact that some things are very, in, in CFD, are pretty complex and require specialists to uh, deal with them? Well, I believe that you can only do that by being in very specific markets. And that's why general purpose tools are still needed to do R&D type activities where the activities are not well understood. But in well-defined markets where you know what you're trying to do, you can make the CFD tools much more specific and tailored to that job to take away a lot of those CFD things that would normally require CFD expertise because you can embody that knowledge for the specific niche into the tool set. And that's what I believe all, all the vertical market tools do. And we have certainly done for data centers. So from the, the very outset, we, we, we worked with designers and end users to make sure that the tools were delivering what they needed and that we put in what was necessary for them to be able to do it without them having to become a CFD geek. Yeah, so if you've got the niche focus, then this sort of becomes a non-problem. As long as the guy appreciates that when he adds his thousand and first server and his electricity bill doubles, then something's wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that that's exactly the point. That they there are the things that go wrong through user input are often not tiny nuances. They're normally significant, so you can see them in your results. So that's a fairly reasonable quality check. But I would say one other thing that we do. So when when uh, somebody in the operational world say starts using our tools we would normally first off run the tools with them to start with to help them understand what can be done and bring them up to speed and train them in what to look for and and over time they would take over the operation of the tool and remember they're not setting up the entire model that's normally been set up by the consultant the the mechanical engineer or by a company like ours specializing uh, and providing them with the underlying model, what they will be doing is dragging in new IT equipment and trying it in different locations to see where it works. So they don't have to look at the temperature field necessarily in its total entirety. They would look at industry metrics like what the inlet temperatures are. Are they within the ASHRAE uh, recommended temperature compliance guidelines, for example? ASHRAE is the American Society for... Uh, heating, refrigeration, and air conditioning engineers, those who don't know. So we're trying to, they can look at the temperature fields, they can look at flow patterns that people would traditionally expect to, but most of the information is visualized uh, in you know streamlined plots so they can see where the cold air is going, where the hot air is going, that sort of thing in, in very visual renditions, and also in summary reports and in uh, key performance indicators or metrics that analyze the performance so that somebody with less expertise can interpret the data. I wonder if we can sort of change direction a little bit and kind of dig into what I mentioned a bit earlier about what a CTO does at a modern CFD company. What that role involves over, say, a senior developer or a, an ops guy or something like that. What what does a CTO do? Right. So obviously, as the uh, company grows, that, that, that role changes. So when, when you're a small CFD company setting up, trying to deal with a vertical market, what the CTO is doing is trying to really define the product that's required for the marketplace. So working with the marketplace to understand what problems they have, then looking at 
CFD technology as we know it and understanding what would be a sensible requirement for the software developers to uh, implement to meet that need. So it's, it's almost a product management role in those early days because really you're just designing product and, and, and trying to make sure that technology fits the market that you're targeting. So, so then as the, as the organization grows, of course, uh, you have to build product management teams because you're dealing with a much broader market, more customers, etc. And we have to do much more technical product marketing and all those sorts of things that go with a product management role. So CTO then really moves on to looking at the future direction of the market. So uh, nowadays, I spend a lot of time doing work with research bodies and industry bodies, looking at the way data centers are going to develop the way CFD and simulation more generally can fit into that and, and be helpful to de delivering uh, good business results for the different types of business that use you use data centers and CFD for data centers. I mean, data centers sounds like a really narrow niche, but it's, it's not that narrow, really. We've talked about it implicitly in what we've said. We've talked about enterprise systems. we talked about cloud. The way those data center centers operate are quite different. And then there's co-locators, which again operate in a different way. So we have to be able to make sure the tools work for those different types of users who have different business needs. So you mentioned research and industry bodies. Are they... I'm guessing research is going to be the more academic research working partnership with universities, perhaps. But the industry bodies, what you you also mentioned ASHRAE earlier, I think. Um, yeah. So, what's your relationship with with those guys? Are, are you like a trusted expert, or how, how does that work? So, so ASHRAE is made up of technical committees for different sectors of of the heating and ventilation and refrigeration uh, sectors. There is one committee called TC 9.9, .9, which is the data center committee. It's actually the biggest single committee in ASHRAE, uh, and it has hundreds of members, uh, of which I am a member. It sets up uh, subcommittees um, that do specific pieces of, of work. So, for example, I'm, I'm involved in two pieces of work at the moment, one about uh, testing and rating the cooling systems that go into data centers, the other is is a piece of research uh, looking at uh, producing guidance for how people should use CFD for data centers. Are these bodies producing regulation or are they um, lobbying for changes to um, to regulation? So that, that's a very good question. So ASHRAE is, is a body which is not a standards body, but the uh, documents it writes result in normally de facto standards. There are some exceptions where they do write standards which are then adopted. So it does produce standards, but most of the work it does is it produces guidelines. So TC 9.9 .9 produces uh, books. The first one was Power and Power Trends, uh, which has been expanded to Power and Cooling Trends, which helps the market understand where IT uh, power and cooling is going. So you can't design a data center if you don't know how much heat's going to be dissipated from the IT or how much cooling airflow is going to be required or water flow or whatever it might be. Um, so what this this book does that they publish, which is now one of a series of 10 or 12 books, uh, is help the industry understand what the trends are. And these sort of become de facto standards. And that's actually where ASHRAE temperature compliance is published, the, the metric for measuring the performance of how well your equipment's 
cooled, whether it's cooled to within this compliant band of temperatures. So they publish the, the conditions that they think uh, data centers should operate in to make the IT happy, and then uh, people design to try and meet those uh, criteria. And then there are other bodies, for example, the Green Grid, which is uh, a body which has been set up specifically to drive energy efficiency in, in, in data centers. But again, it's a member-based uh, organization, but it provides white papers and things that that, that uh, drive the way in which data centers are owned and operated, or help help them anyway. Um, the most notable one was the publication of a, a white paper on power usage effectiveness, which basically gave a way of measuring how effectively your data center was working and has helped drive efficiency so that data centers have gone from using, say, two and a half times as much energy to cool and power the equipment to two and a half times as much as the equipment uses itself, that is, uh, to, to about 1.1 in the best data centers, even even a little less than that. So only using 10% more energy to run everything else in the data center than is being used by the IT itself. So that's a massive improvement. But you can understand that when you try and make it really efficient like that, it's very much easier to break. And so hence, uh, tools which make sure that the cooling is working effectively as well as being efficient, become even more essential. It's obvious that this sort of thing is quite important to to your business. And I was going to say that, um, is it something that other businesses are perhaps overlooking and should also get involved with with similar bodies in their area? But the the underlying uh, assumption there is that the company has a chosen niche and has a domain expertise in that particular niche. You, this is this is not a possible route for companies who just do everything. No, I think that that's absolutely why um, it, it needs to be a niche product and what enables you to create tools that work for people who are less expert, because you are you, you have to be immersed in that industry to really be able to do that job properly. Because I assume these bodies exist for almost every industry. Yeah, they absolutely will. So, for example, just to give you an example of, of, of what that's meant for us, uh, recently, uh, there's just in July, there was a, a paper published by the Green Grid called the Performance Indicator. So this was really uh, a recognition that energy efficiency alone isn't enough. If you make a data center that's really efficient, but actually it can't deliver all the IT services that you wanted, is it really efficient? If it's not effective, it's not, you know, you might have to build two data centers instead of one, and then you have to question whether the efficiency is really what you think it is. Uh, so the performance indicator came out with uh, key performance indicators and metrics and a way of measuring them and using simulation to understand them uh, to, to make sure that the cooling is not only efficient but effective at the same time because you, the things have to be going on hand in hand. So that's an example of where um, working in those bodies enables the, the industry to understand why techno- technology looking at airflow and heat transfer, which might seem otherwise irrelevant to people in the data center industry, is important and gives them a, a simple way of, of relating to it. So again, metrics that they can use uh, just the same as they would if they were a finan- in finance, they'd be looking at gross profit margin and absolute profits and metrics like that. We give them metrics uh, in the performance indicator, infrastructure energy efficiency, 
and IT thermal conformance and IT thermal resilience. So metrics that they can relate to that tell them how well their data center is working without getting involved in the details. It's an area of, of your role that I didn't realize would be so um, beneficial, maybe is the wrong word, but kind of so impactful on the uh, on the company. And it's it's not something that, that sprung to mind when I thought about what a CTO does. So uh, it's good to have that bit of, bit of insight. Actually, what we've got to do is help the industry understand why they need CFD without going into the details of CFD and, and how they can benefit from CFD. So we're often talking about the business consequences of simulation rather than the fact that uh, it's hot in this spot or cold in that spot or, or we need more airflow over here or less over. They're, they're not really interested in that. They want to know that if they do A, will their data center del- deliver more transactions more reliably than if they do B? Right? And, and, and so it... Going into a vertical market implicitly means you have to uh, move away from pure CFD to how that CFD impacts the business, not just produces technical information. I'm I'm fascinated in sort of niche and vertical vertical market specialization, especially on the impact that it has on the business model and the the way the the CFD provides value to these different businesses. And it takes it out of um, the R&D lab and puts it smack bang in the middle of the uh, C-level meetings. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, we, we obviously agree with you there. That, yeah. You know, that's exactly what we've tried to do. It's not It's not a small challenge because obviously – you know, these things don't exist in many of the niche markets where you imagine they could do. So you are having to introduce concepts, do a lot of education, uh, and uh, then change yourselves, because most of us are pretty technical when we come from a CFD background, to try and stop yourself talking uh, detail all the while when actually you've got to be able to interpret that detail at a much higher level. It's a challenge for people in the CFD industry, I think, a big challenge. I like to leave people with a challenge. So everybody who's talking too much CFD, talk less. Listen a bit more. I think that was what Jeff told us in the first series. We've got to do more listening. So I want to thank you for, for coming on today, Mark. We had uh, lots of problems getting this going, but um, I think it's been uh, I think it's been good. It's been worthwhile. Um, if people are interested in, in either the product or in particular some of the work that you guys have been, been doing and that you've been talking about, what's the best way for them to either get a peek at a product or to talk to you guys? Well, uh, of course, we, we have a website, so you're very welcome to look at our products on www.futurefacilities.com. Or if you want to talk about the research in particular, which is less visible on, on, on the website, um, uh, just just drop me a line at mark.seymour, that's S-E-Y-M-O-U-R, at futurefacilities.com. And I'd be very happy to uh, have a conversation with you, either electronically over the web or um, by phone, whatever. Um, but certainly the research, if you're interested in the research, there's a whole scope of opportunity for many of us to get involved. Excellent. Um, thanks again for your time, Mark. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Robin. It's been great. This is a little message for all of you listening via iTunes or Stitcher. I'm pleased to announce that we are now accepting five-star reviews, if you'd be so kind. I'll let you know when the other ratings open up, but for now, five stars are most welcome. If you want to leave a review, that's even better. 
Otherwise, just click the five stars in the app to make it so. Thank you very much.